Welcome back, South Carolina. I'm your host, Brandon Peak, and this is Podcast 1854. Welcome back, South Carolina. We are joined with Zoe Warren, who is running for lieutenant governor here in South Carolina. We were just with his running mate, uh, Harrison Musselwhite, who is running for governor. So, Zoe, uh, it's an honor and seriously a privilege to have you on the show, and I'm glad you could join us tonight. Brother, I'm humbled, and I am honored as well. Thank you. Yes, sir. So, how's your day been, Zoe? It's been, it's been long and hard. I was out in the sun all day. We were... Uh, shooting some videos at Panteo Sportsman's Club out in uh, uh, Swansea or Gaston. It's out there in the country. <laughs> yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, all day long on the range uh, shooting some everyday carry videos. That's always good, man, to educate. Yeah, I think it's pretty important that uh, we get prepared for whatever comes. And as a community, we should probably all be armed, all be trained, and all be training together, you know, not just for self-defense, but you know, how can we work together just in case if the poop hits the fan, we should be wrapped in some kind of protective layer, you know? (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. I couldn't agree more. So if you would, would you give our listeners a little bit of insight of who Zoe Warren is and how did you get to where you are today? Well, I am a filmmaker, documentarian, reporter, I do a lot of video reporting. I, I, I'm an editor-at-large for the Standard SC. I, I worked for WOLO back in 2009. Um, you know, I went to film school down in Charleston, at well, North Charleston, at Trident Technical College Film Certificate Program. And I started working pretty early because we had a baby boy that was born. So, okay. you know, I had to go straight to work. Yes, and sir. Not a lot of film work in South Carolina either. So I went straight to video. Yeah. <laughs> I went straight to blockbuster, you know? Yes, sir. Um, but it was great because I got to work with some high end production folks. And finally I started running camera. And so that's kind of what I do for that. But I'm also a missionary. We got saved in 2007. My family and I have been to Pakistan and in 2015, uh, the Philippines in 2017, we were working full time at a soup kitchen, downtown Columbia called Christ Central Ministries with Pastor Sylvia. Christ Central, very familiar. We have one in Winsboro, yes. Yeah, and, and awesome. the, there's different, like, I guess, different forms. That's like, right. Uh, the soup kitchen is where I worked at. And so, uh, you know, we stopped working there uh, in 2018. Um, my daughter, my youngest daughter was born. I have a 13-year-old, uh, I have a 17-year-old, and I have a 5-year-old. And uh, my, my son is the 17-year-old, my 13s girl. And my five's a girl. And I'm married. We've been married since 2008. And so, you know, we're just, uh, we're a missionary family. Uh, we we want to report the good news and keep people informed about some of the bad news that's happening as well. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's part of it, man. And there's a lot right now going on, you know. So how do you um, feel about the current climate here in South Carolina when it comes to the way that our state is being governed and ran? Hmm. Well, you know, I, I, the number one word that comes to my mind is accountability. I think there's a missing accountability where, whereby like the governed will experience some kind of oppression or something that's not good will take place and the governing does it or allows it, but nobody's held responsible for doing it to them. Mm-hmm. 
And so I, I don't know there's a systemic problem. I think the systemic problem is that we have a legislature that appoints the judges, essentially, mm-hmm. and then, you know, elects the judges. And I think potentially that has a lot to do with this lack of accountability because legislature, uh, the legislature is uh, essentially, ha- there's no term limits, you know. <laughs> the yeah. only term-limited person is the governor, right? And so if you don't have the governor, the executive branch, appointing the uh, the judges, then there's no really no checks and balances because if the legislature appoints the judges, then those judges protect the people that gave them their job and then set them up to give them jobs later. <laughs> and most of them are lawyers. so Exactly. Yeah. This, this is a lack of accountability, and it happens all over the uh, spectrum in the political realm. And so I think that's probably the, the biggest issue in South Carolina that I can see is like a lack of accountability and almost an impossibility. It's impossible for us to hold them accountable. Now, I'm not trying to say we should send everybody to jail or fire everybody, but some kind of censure, you know, some kind of like, hey, this is not good. This is who's responsible. And here, let's let's not do that again. That's right. We have to call it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just that's just good business. Yeah. That's just good business. You know, Uh, I I was sharing with, uh, you know, Harrison earlier a situation that took place last week to where we tried to have a business conversation and it just wasn't it wasn't reciprocated and it and it was just like man like you know this is business that's all it is is nothing personal so but i agree because i've said accountability so I, I was asked not too long ago you know what would be three things and that would be accountability that would be structure mm-hmm. and that would be information so there's a lack of information there doesn't seem to be a proper structure and there is in my mind absolutely no accountability like i and i hate to say it like that because i I mentioned this earlier talking to harrison but we have a republican trifecta and we govern the most liberal and democratic and it's just like how (laughs) is that possible you you know like we we have the we have the the governor we have the the senate we have the house but yet we are the bluest, reddest state there is. Yeah, and you know something? It's funny. Um, I think it's about money. Like, you know, there's a left to right spectrum, right? You've heard that, you yes, know, sir. people are left or they're right. And that comes from, like, the French Revolution days. And I don't want to get too deep into that. But what I do want to express is that I, I measure the left-right uh, dichotomy. I, I measure it this way. Like, if you're on the right, if you're as far right as it gets— this is a political scale, right? So this is a scale mm-hmm. where policy exists. That's right. So that means that anarchy is not on this scale because anarchy is the is void of policy. So on a scale where there's policy that gets made, if you're far right, that means you will protect liberty. You will protect the liberty of others and your own at all costs. If every click you go left, you will sell liberty. You will give liberty away to cronies or collectivists until mm-hmm. you get to total government. So on the far left of the spectrum is total government. On the far right is government that will protect liberty at all costs. And I think what we have in South Carolina are a lot of people who will sell our liberty for some kind of benefit. I know our, 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 our uh, the creed of the South Carolina Republican Party says, mm-hmm. I will not trade freedom for beneficence. Yes. Well, we got a lot of political yes. types that have an R next to their name that will sell out our freedom for beneficence yes, sir. for some kind of benefit, whether it's to the state, uh, whether it's to their cronies or just for their own advantage. <laughs> oh, exactly right. I've seen it firsthand, you know, and that's what I don't get. It's just like, uh, 
I've been in so many meetings to where we have held certain discussions and then they go out in front of a camera or go out in front of the body and then yet it's completely different and I'm like whoa whoa let's back up a little that's not that's not what you just said that's not what you told the people that's not what we like seriously Mm -hmm. so what is the real motive here and that's what i guess is kind of hard to nail down and like you said because we uh, we talked about that you know about it being money related you know and everything is seriously there's a paper trail follow it and and you'll see whether their companies out of state donating and now all of a sudden those companies are in south carolina yeah well how did they get here how did they get the passes? How did they get the permits? Now they're building. Now they're operating. Now they're donating even more money. And it's just like, oh, wow. you know. So there's always a paper trail to follow and see who's doing what and where it's going. And Sometimes they'll tell you with their own mouth. Like I was, okay, I'll give you an example. I was working with a group of uh, Coalition of Concerned Citizens mm-hmm. because of the vaccine mandates on the National Guard. And from... The way that I see all of the paperwork, the way that I see the, the you know the court orders, things in federal district courts and stuff, there is no legal way to be able to hold someone responsible for not taking the vaccine legally. It's not they're not interchangeable. And I say this like it's this is complicated, but there are two vaccines. One's emergency use authorized. The other one is FDA approved. Right. Mm-hmm. One's called Comirnaty, and one is called the Pfizer BioNTech. Okay. They're they're not legally interchangeable, but they're trying to force people to take a vaccine that is not FDA approved and then holding them responsible and punishing them if they don't. Just because they approved this particular, you know, drug Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that all the drugs that were made, you know, in labs like it are automatically approved. Exactly. They, They have to be made on the exact type of equipment with the exact same certifications that the FDA approved drug gets made on. So this is a very complicated kind of thought process, but I, we went to the governor about it and I, you know, the, one of the ladies who asked me to help, she went straight to the governor's office and she asked the governor about it. And, and this other gentleman too, this Colonel, he also asked the governor about it and the governor's aide essentially said, you know, there's money involved, federal money. I can believe it. And so because of the federal money, they're afraid to do what's right. Now and that's sad. Now, they did eventually, five months later or four months later, write a strongly worded letter to the DOD um, chief, mm-hmm. Austin. But, I mean, they could have written that in November. They could have written that in October. Nothing changed between November and the time they wrote the letter except for um, the, the National Guard was almost at 95% compliance. Mm. And they were already starting to punish guardsmen. Yeah. You know? Now, th- what I'm saying is that money, the federal money, uh, money from the CCP, mm-hmm. money from big business, money from uh, the medical establishment, money from whoever source dictates whether or not they're going to protect your constitutional rights. We have no one else to protect our constitutional rights in the state besides our governor or a lawyer. So essentially, you have a choice to make. And the choice is you will either spend all your money on lawyers fighting against big business and the federal government. Yeah. Or you just have to take it. Because if you don't have a governor 
that will sign an executive order or at least get out the bully pulpit and bring your family before the whole public and say, this is happening to citizens of South Carolina. It needs to stop. If you don't have somebody who will stand up for you, then you're on your own. You are. You are. And that's sad because I was sitting here talking about, um, what's his name? Youngkin? Clint Youngkin, yeah. Yeah, Youngkin. Okay, so I thought the way that he came in, he did a phenomenal job first and foremost he came in and he didn't want any outside help he wanted it to be virginians mm-hmm. he wanted it to be inside outstanding and the way that he did that i mean he he could have had a presidential endorsement but he turned it down mm. with all due respect but he didn't want that he wanted to do this on his own and i was like man that's what it's about right there. Yeah. Because a lot of people would have jumped on that train and they would have been like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, that's my ticket. That's my ticket. But he believed in himself. He believed in his people. And he sat there and he did it. And then once he come in, he started making moves. Mm-hmm. And he started getting rid of a lot of this nonsense that's going on. Ron DeSantos said it earlier. He sat there. He's been making moves, doing it, getting rid of all this nonsense that is going on. Yeah. So what is stopping our governor and our lieutenant governor from doing the same thing? Does the lieutenant governor have, I mean, what can she do to persuade or even try to bring, uh, I would, and I hate to put it like this, common sense, because it is common sense, literally. Well, I mean, if you've ever been on their Facebook pages, like they can put up pictures of themselves with their animals, and and, and it's a beautiful thing. I see that, yes. But it's sir. A beautiful. I think it's a nice, you know. What I'm saying they're also campaigning, and they're beautiful people, and they get you know several thousand responses. That's right? right. So that means they have the ability to give issues a platform, to give issues a voice, um, but they just don't use it. There, there are multiple ways. Just that simple thing, to have people, you know. Do you tell their story? That's one of the things that Donald Trump really impressed me with. Um, and I'm not trying to get on, you know, too much into the Bible or anything, but there's a passage of scripture that says that the house of the wise, excuse me, the heart of the wise is in the house of mourning mm-hmm. and the heart of the fool is in the house of mirth. And Donald Trump really impressed me during his campaign in 2015 and 2016 because he was there for the forgotten men and women. He was in the house of mourning, finding out what happened to you. What, what's your story? Why why are you troubled? That's right. That's and right. and when he found out what their story was, and Steve Bannon's brilliant, they understood now. I love now, his podcast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They they found out how to 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 solve the problems for the people that had problems. And now that heart to help people and to give their voice a megaphone that's going to be able to reach more people. So their issue is now unavoidable. That kind of attitude, that kind of heart for people is what made me fall in love with Donald J. Trump. And and, and to be honest with you, it's what every representative of the people should be trying to do is champion and advocate for people who especially have been harmed by bad policy decisions and the bureaucratic administrative state that make decisions apart from their representation. You know, there's there's a lot of unelected people making decisions <laughs> that harm citizens of the of the country, and so our governor, for instance, he she, he is the chief law enforcement officer, pretty much of the state, right? Mm-hmm. So if the federal government or some outside force 
is attacking South Carolina citizens, he is the buck stops with him. That's right. Right. If if okay, if I was going to break the law, and Brandon saw me about to break the law, he would uh, go up to you know to Governor McMaster or no, no, let's not let's, let's not even use Governor McMaster. What's your son's name? Dylan. Yeah, he, he, Officer Dylan. Zoe's about to break the law, mm-hmm. right? Officer Dylan would watch me, and as soon as I broke the law, Officer Dylan would put me under arrest. Now he's like, "Listen, I'm not saying whether you were guilty or innocent, but you look like you broke the law to me, so I'm just going to put the handcuffs on you, and make the arrest, so we can stop it in its tracks." There you go. That's what the executive order is about. It no, we're, listen. If the federal government trespasses Zoe Warren, what can Zoe do? If if the federal government can I can I defend myself with my arms maybe that's what the second amendment's about right but i'm not going to try to go there that's right the governor and the law enforcement of the state has the ability to stop the federal government from trespassing zo if it looks like they're breaking the law mm-hmm. and if they're violating my constitutional rights that is all they have to see they can use the executive order and say okay listen i may be wrong but we can figure that out in court but the way they go operate now they Amen think that, that they think the judge is the law enforcement officer yeah. So they're like, well, you're being trespassed. I'm sorry your family died in the hospital systems. I'm sorry that they died of these vaccine mandates. I'm sorry that these things happened. Go get a lawyer because the lawyer is going to have to act as your law enforcement officer. And the judge is going to be the one who makes the arrest mm-hmm. instead of the law enforcement officer who is charged with that duty, who is the governor to protect their life, liberty and property. That's right. You know, it's, it's really simple. That's what the executive order thing's all about, really, mm-hmm. is to protect us immediately. Immediately. And that's why I don't get why there's so many pieces of legislation sitting around when he could have easily just, like you said, put an executive order or put more pressure on the Senate and the House to get this stuff done. Absolutely. I mean, like, you Absolutely. are the man in charge. Like you say, the buck stops there. So what are you doing? Like you say, uh, it's nice, and again, it's no disrespect to the governor about, you know, I get all that. With uh, Again, nothing but respect, but enough's enough, yeah. and our state is going down, and it, it, it again, we there are things that are being allowed to take place. There are things that are happening that shouldn't be happening, and when we speak out, it's like, oh, well, you're the bad guy. Well, no, we're not, because all we have to do is pull up, you know, your donation list, and we can tell exactly who's getting what and why they're getting it done, and it, and, and it shouldn't be about that. You know, mm-hmm. my slogan's always been, from the people, for the people, mm-hmm. because I grew up in the streets, you know, so I'm from the people, and that's why I've always fought for those same people. Amen. You know, it doesn't matter about what color you are it doesn't matter about how much money you have it doesn't matter what your last name is none of that it matters that we all stand united and we try to yeah. make a change for the better of everyone that's right these these guys you have a poster here yes sir. planting freedom and it's got a bunch of the, the founders on it one of the things the distinguish the distinctions that they had that i think we're lacking today is that most of them, if not all of them, when they said they were mutually pledged to one another, they meant it. Like they were mutually pledged. They they pledged their life, their sacred honor, all of their money, and they they stuck together. They held hands together. They had their issues, you know, obviously they argued with each other and stuff, but at the end of the day, they weren't trying to sell each other. That's right. And And I think like maybe there is a... 
you know, maybe there's a problem in our culture today because we have, we look back on them as racist and, and white supremacist and, and slave owners. So therefore their example that they demonstrated with each other, we can't just adopt and take up. And I, I take issue with that because I'm, I'm what you call a Frederick Douglass Republican, mm-hmm. you know? I like that. Yeah. Because I'm concerned with liberty. I'm concerned with literacy, you know, not just reading a book, but financial literacy. That's you right. Know? There used to be an old adage and people listening to this might get mad at me for saying this, but they say, if you want to hide something from a Negro, put it in a book. That, that was the old school saying, right? Mm-hmm. Well, today, if you want to hide it, you put it in numbers, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you know that if you financially know how to handle yourself, then you can get a lot farther, right? Because we got a lot of people trying to make merchandise of us. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I mean, just taxes alone, you can get out of paying a whole lot of taxes just by becoming a small business person, yeah. just opening a small business, you know? And if you don't know how to handle finances, you're going to get taken advantage of. You sure are. And so I'm, I'm concerned with, Literacy. I'm concerned with liberty. You know, nobody can take something from you unless you give it to them. Okay, I, 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 I believe at the end of the day, like under threat of penalty, if somebody's trying to take what belongs to you to, to satisfy their constituency, to can satisfy their whatever they want to satisfy, that's theft. I mean, we may call it taxation, but if it's not something enumerated to the federal government, y'all are just playing games. Mm-hmm. It's not okay. It's okay. it's it should be uh, outlawed. They shouldn't be able to do that. So I'm concerned with liberty. I'm concerned with literacy, and I hate cronyism. Yeah, like my grandparents, black folks, they did not want anybody to hand them anything. Okay, they lived on a farm out in Sand Hills of Georgia. Mm. They didn't want anybody to hand them nothing. They did not want the federal teat. They just wanted the federal and national state government uh, to stop giving stuff to their competition and not giving it to them. That's cronyism. And that is nothing but a fair request. Seriously, I mean, like how more that literally what more could you ask for? I mean, that's just that's just fair across the board. It's race based cronyism, you know. But it was cronyism. Like, see, the cronyism they were doing back then where they would give stuff to maybe white people, but they wouldn't give it to black people. Yeah. That was cronyism, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe it was race-based, but the same cronyism happens today. Like, where the governor will give a factory or a, or a corporation a thousand acres for a dollar, mm-hmm. but I can't even get an acre for a thousand dollars. Thank you very you know? much. Yep. And I'm a small business person, right? I go to, I get, where's my acre? Same where's my, here. So, that's cronyism. Even though people, well, they're going to give us this, that, and the other. Well, it's it, it creates an uneven playing field. So it creates winners and losers because the state has created those winners and losers. Exactly right. For their own monetary gain. Cronyism. Yep. <laughs> and that's and that's sad. Like I mean, this is 2022. You know, you would think that what are, you know, history, the people that have went down, fought the blood that has been shed, and we're still fighting with this stuff and it's getting worse and worse because the indoctrination through schools, you know, influencers, music, sports even, you know, I sat there and told Harrison earlier because we was talking about basketball or something and once politics got into sports, I quit watching them. Yeah. Like, I used to love baseball, football, basketball, but now... I, I will not, I, I just don't, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and, and, and it's sad to say, but 
same thing with the schools. You know, it's it's it is it has become a political weapon. Mm-hmm. Same thing with sports. It is a political weapon. Musicians, it's a political weapon. Now you have independent artists that sit out there and they shoot their own videos, they design their own clothes, they build their own setups, you know, like mm-hmm. they might have four or five different scenes in one little building in their backyard that they just went to Lowe's, bought the materials, put it together, spray painted the walls, boom. They might have $1,500 in it, but yet they're making millions off of that, you know? And they have these record companies saying, oh, hey, you need us to get you bigger. And they're like, "Uh, no, we don't. You see how many number one Billboard Platinum albums (laughs) we have? And we're independent. And so... It's it's like they they don't get the recognition and they put them down in these magazines. Say, oh, this is the worst artist of the year, or this is the worst song of the year, and it's like, nah, that that went platinum like four or five times. So please tell me how. And they did it without a record label. Yeah. So same thing with us. You, you know, as small business owners, you and I and and many others, we didn't get that help. You know, we don't get that help. And we need to sit there and we need to support. That's why, you know, those 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 patches right there, you know, my buddy, he's like a brother. His name is Mike. And he, he has a thing called the uh, Carol Family Freak Show. And it's like circus themed. And so those are called Shank Bears. And it's an acronym for Stay Humble and Never Kneel. And as you can see, they're all characters from different things, different designs. And, you know, it's small business. And... I watched the guy go from something that he was doing with leather. That's who made the holster, the crow case right there. That's yeah. the actual knife that came from that. So as you see, there's a lot of memorabilia that like is true. So like behind you, that's that come from the gangs in New York. That actually that was the actual newspaper that come from that movie that has their DNA. Daniel Day Lewis, Cameron Diaz, and Leonardo <laughs> DiCaprio. Neat. So that that's the real deal. But you know, we support small businesses like that. I would rather give my money to that than yeah. someone else. And then when we don't, then we complain like Fairfield. That's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a small area far as the city. You know, you could literally stop like, like you could go from one end of the town to the other in like three minutes. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not far at all. And, and we have some really good people there. But what gets me is that good old boy system. That's what I call it. And it's about last names. That's where that's where the McMasters come from, you know, with Fairfield. You, okay. you research them, and they're all tied back into Fairfield. Our mayor, which was the longest mayor served, was Quay McMaster. And that's who started the petroleum company. And, you know, his, his family did, the petroleum company, the shell, the, you know, shell station, the pops or whatever. And so really smart. It's like, hey, uh... I can have these gas stations, but your gas is too high. So what am I going to do? I'm going to start my own gas company, my own petroleum company, and I'm going to sell to my own stores. So these people with these last names, Hmm. and there's about four of them that are just, you know, super duper wealthy, Mm -hmm. but they're wealthy off of what their ancestors did. And now the generations that are alive now, they think that, oh well I'm better than everybody because of my last name and it's like no it should it shouldn't be like that because look here you're no different than 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 me you know just because I don't care how many zeros you have I don't care what your last name is 
you know, if you have so much influence and you have this and that, why aren't you making a difference? Why aren't you putting yeah. it to use to do something? That's the, the very reason they can't. Like, they're the permanent SC, permanent DC class uh, political types. Mm-hmm. And because they, they know each other and they have known each other, they've been in politics, you know, since Reagan, since Bush. Yeah. And so that because they know each other, they can't hold each other accountable. How are you going to, like, you know, censure and... And, and punish even potentially some family that you've been, you know, having dinner with for uh, 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, and because they're all connected. There's this almost like a, uh, a nepotism, you know? And so I'm not, and listen, I, I, I don't by any means mean to denigrate the, uh, you know, the class of people that have been kind of running this show here for as long as they have. Mm-hmm. I just believe they have a different philosophy and I think that they're actually not really living up to the the, the philosophy that I that I fell in love with. I, I, I when I read the Republican Party creed and and I and I watched Donald Trump and I watched you know the Republican Party that I thought that I was entering into, mm-hmm. um, I was excited. But then I got in and my excitement was was I mean it, they tried to put it out they couldn't it just it became almost adversarial to me. I'm I'm the new growth right. There are some things that we need to fix, and you guys have been doing this for a decade or more, and the problems are pretty bad, and they're getting worse. They're getting I mean, worse. Yep. I, I don't even know how the heck we got here, where we're a, or a, a red state as red as it gets, right? But we're dealing with like we're 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 really worried about the stuff that's going on in our public schools. Really, mm-hmm. there's porn on the shelves of our public school libraries, and that's okay. Under them, you know, under your watch. Yep. Under, uh, weren't you in some, don't you have some kind of like educational policy advisor? Don't you have Republicans on like the education oversight committee? Don't you have a a, a way to, to do something? I mean, you're Republicans and this is happening under your watch, under your nose. And I know parents that have been telling you about it. I know people because they've come to me and told me about it. And I'm the lowest on the totem pole. I was like the third vice chair I was of the Lexington County Republican Party. And I got parents and people coming to me for help because they've called their representatives. They've called their, you know, the governor. They've sent letters. They've sent emails and nobody would respond. And if they did respond, you know, we're doing the best we can. We can't help you get a lawyer. And so I'm like, okay, well, we can do something. We can raise a hue and cry. We can send some more letters. We can try to, you know, get some legislators that, you know, that we perceive to be liberty-minded to help us. And what I came across was the same exact thing. They they could do something virtuous, but they won't do anything at all. Mm. Um, and that's sad. I mean, it's it's virtue, bro. Moral courage is lacking. They, they, because they're more concerned with staying elected yep. than doing what's right. Yep. And so they have to, they can only do what's virtuous when it's polling well. If it, if it threatens their ability to potentially have the favor of the governor, who obviously is Trump's friend, and they potentially believe that means that they would get an endorsement, if, they, if, if that's at risk, then they will not do what's right. To do what's right, exactly, because they're a follower, in my opinion— they're a follower. They're not a true leader because a true leader will sacrifice everything to make sure what is right is done right. It is executed no matter what the outcome is. You can sink my poll numbers if you want, but if I know that it benefits the people, the people. and it is for the people, 
yeah. for everyone, not a not a select group, but for everyone, that's what I'm gonna do. That's right. And if my polls drop, they drop. Guess what? I know in my heart and in my mind, I did the right thing. Not personal virtue, not personal vendettas, not mm-hmm. this is what I think is right and that's what should be done. But no, it's we're talking about the protecting the people. That's right. Protecting exactly. their rights. And if at the end of the day, if I don't if my government doesn't protect my rights and they and they're trying to force me to lawyer up, but they won't stop the federal government, they won't stop uh this corporatist fascist, you know, uh the Biden administration putting pressure on businesses to to oppress me, if they if they won't stop that kind of stuff, then I have no use for them. That's right. they, they they govern because I give them the consent to govern, so that they will protect my life, my liberty, and my property. If I start experiencing oppressions that I would expect to experience where there is no government, then what the heck is the point of the government being there at all? It's a good point, literally. You know. Yeah. So my heart is not necessarily. I'm not anti-government. I am pro-responsible government. I'm just mm-hmm. trying to make the point and make the case that we have to have guards that take their charge seriously, mm-hmm. that will commit and covenant with us to protect our life, liberty, and property, and use whatever means necessary to accomplish that goal. Yeah. If they're going to back off because it's going to maybe cost some money or it's going to maybe, you know, there are people that are dead today because we had guards who would allow these even like, you know, big tech companies, social media companies to abridge the free speech rights of citizens of the country to argue about mask effectiveness. I mean, things of that nature, you know, like yeah. truly people. OK, they, there was a time in, in America and in South Carolina where we were told if you wear a bandana or a cloth mask, that it would be effective against the spread of the virus. Right. Yep. People believe that. And you know what happened? Because they believed that people died. Right. Because they thought this mask is going to protect them. And so therefore, they were good. I, I'll just wear the mask. Yeah. But it the the mask and we find out the mask does not work. It's not that's not going to do the trick, right? That's right. And so I'm not trying to say that everybody should be masked up with N95 masks. But what I'm trying to say is that if you argued against their science, you got canceled from social media. Oh, for sure. And these social media companies get a benefit from the government, mm-hmm. so that you can't they can't be sued for things that are put on their website, right? Yeah. So. If they're going to violate the, the constitutionally protected right of speech, okay, then they should not have any federally protected right, right? If, if they're going to violate my constitutionally protected rights and then also have a benefit from the federal government, I'm paying for them. I'm giving them protection by way of government protection to oppress me. That means they should lose that ability. There should be uh, laws passed if they're going to violate. If you're going to violate the constitutional rights, if you're going to violate people's ability to speak freely, if you're going to judge them based on measures that the FCC doesn't even use, then what we need to do then is take away this ability for you to have this protection. Because if you want to participate as in in this you know this this protection, you're going to have to abide by these same set of rules. We need some global FCC kind of rules, you know. And so I'm I'm saying all that to say that we had a government who just totally allowed that to happen to mm-hmm. people, and because they allowed it to happen, a lot of people died. Yeah, they did. I they mean, 
And that's sad. You that's couldn't sad. tell your story. You could not get online and tell your story about remdesivir being given to somebody and they died. Shove when, down the throat. Yeah, it, it, you could not give your testimony about HCQ working for you or ivermectin working for you or any of the number of drugs that uh, in the monoclonal antibodies. You couldn't get online on social media companies and talk about its effectiveness because you would get banned from the Internet. Yes, you would. And we had guards that we put in place who let it happen. And they would come after you, you know, and attack you, everyone. Like, seriously, like you would be the bad person. And then now to see that first, like you say, they that the masks work, you know, 99%, they work. Then the percentage went lower. Then it went lower. Then it went lower. Then it was, oh, they don't work. You got to double up. <laughs> and I'm sitting here like, okay, so... And again, I'm a certified hazmat tech, all right? It's sitting in there on the wall through the South Carolina Fire Academy. I can tell you that, you know, as a airborne pathogen, which is what we are dealing with, that mass was nothing. Like, it truly wasn't. And then another thing that popped in my mind was where are all the hazard material bins to dispose of these masks that was literally capturing a airborne pathogen that was hazardous so i've seen them floating down the streets when it rained that's the hazmat disposal bin it's the walmart parking lot there you go you know <laughs> and so it's just like come on i got like like common sense and i would always tell folks if you really think they work look at the people in the er in the critical care ward see the units that they have on self-contained breathing apparatus scbas look at those and then look at what they're telling you to wear to be safe so if That's it was right. just a simple N95 mask or whatever it is, double up, triple up, get a face shield. I didn't even understand the face shield because, it, I mean, imagine, I mean, you still have the bottom, the sides, everything is still exposed. Yeah. And and it's almost like, guys, they're they're taken and it's, it's sheep is what it is. It's sheep being led around because when you have that face shield on and this ain't to no offense to anyone but it's just the obvious that air is still flowing on the sides up underneath you're breathing in nothing is covered every time you talk your mouth is open your stuff's going in so it's just like come on man you can ask any any um anybody out of boot camp mm -hmm. like you know if a mask if the mask doesn't make a seal does it work <laughs> <laughs> the mask has got to make a seal. It's got to make a seal. Yep. yep. <laughs> when we go and do our fit tests every year for the fire department, you literally have to sit there, put your mask on. You know, they'll make you move your head up, down, round and round, do this, do that. And then they'll put, and now it's computerized. It used not to be. Now it's computerized. So they put this machine where you would plug, you know, your, 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 um, your cartridge to. And it sits there and it, you know, it sucks mm -hmm. in. And if it feels that air pop, and you can feel it when it breaks the seal, then you know, okay, yep, well, that didn't work. So, and that's how, first off, you get the right size mask. Mm -hmm. And second off, you make sure that you have it on properly. And it, it just, it amazes me, man, to see how easy that people were used. And, and that's literally what I thought. And think about the, the, the tens, if hundreds of millions of dollars in PPE that was purchased and spent that was just thrown away and damaged you know i yeah. saw a story in california where they had a um a venue concert venue area you know and and the county owned it and 
So they had a concert where they took all the PPE out, and you know, you're talking over a hundred million dollars worth of equipment. They took it out and put it outside. Well, naturally, it stayed there. No one did anything with it, and so someone got a, an anonymous tip. They went in with a drone. They flew over and they saw it. So naturally, a reporter was like, "Okay, yeah, so this is not, I'm going in." Went in. The people came. And they tried to get like, hey, you know, the, the manager came, security, you got to go. And they're like, no, no, we don't. This is county-owned property. I do not have to leave here, and I will not call who you got to call. And they did. And come to find out, you know, they, again, they tried to blame it on, you know, of course, the manager, not the, not the county. All the council members, they saved their hide by blaming it on the person that was supposed to be looking out yeah. for the building. Some unelected official. Exactly it goes right. to the, It goes to the lowest common. And that's what happened, too. And this is a true story. And so when they did it up, I mean, you're talking some of the equipment just alone in face masks. I mean, that was like over $18 million just in that. And it all was ruined. And then next thing you know, the, the journalist went back a couple weeks later because he was told that there were trucks being, you know, shuttled in and out. They threw it away. Mm. And it's just like this was our tax dollars. Do you do you remember when the governor of South Carolina back in uh, what April or May of 2020 when he stopped issuing executive orders and called the legislature in for a special session during co- coronavirus? Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. It, no, didn't happen. Didn't happen. <laughs> really. <laughs> Now, I'm saying that because there's a reason why. Yeah. We had policies in South Carolina for almost two years, okay, that looked more like Michigan than South Dakota. Mm. There's a reason why we had policies in South Carolina that looked more like Oregon than Florida. And that's because the poison influence is giving policy perversion Mm. to our governor. They're not going to go away unless the governor goes away. Now, the governor, he's a really nice guy. I mean, yeah, I've talked not, to him. Yeah, that's right. I've shaken his hand. I he's, have to. He's walked away from me and realized he needed to say something a little more clearly and came back and said something else. That means he's nice. Mm-hmm. However, the policy perversion that he accepts from these counselors, they're the reason why everything that we experience in South Carolina, we experience. So something as stupid and as arbitrary as not being able to get on your boat and fish the rivers in South Carolina. I mean, we, it, something as silly as the beaches being closed down. I, yeah. I mean, the sun is a, the best antiseptic on the planet. That's right. And we're telling people to stay inside stay instead of away. stay outdoors. It should have been a stay outside order. Yeah. <laughs> we would have been better off, right? Yeah. But instead, we got these policy puke that comes from the likes of Bill Gates, the governor of North Dakota. Our governor is part of the National Governors Association. All the governors are, mm-hmm. right? They're automatically put in. That's right. But they get this governance training, and they get this policy perversion, and they get insurance, and they get all kinds of counsel that is garbage because it's like a almost like a national organization that's over the top of our federal government and state governments. Mm. And they provide all of these governors with the same exact influence and input. Right now, what we need is we need a legislature that has the courage to start having hearings and try to find out what outside influences caused South Carolina to have the policies it had during coronavirus. I like that. We need that. to find out how, you know, what what kind of, like the, that. remember I was talking about that, you know, um, 
misinformation campaign the federal government played with the vaccines, you know, That's the right. interchangeability thing. Mm-hmm. We need to start having uh, joint hearings on how that affected South Carolinians. Mm-hmm. Why is our why are the legislature sitting on their hands when they could be having South Carolina citizens come in and tell their story? What happened? Put it on public record. How did the Biden administration and the federal government's misinformation campaign caused harm to you and your family? That's right. Okay. And then from there, we can determine how we can prevent this from happening ever again. Yeah. And see, just the way you laid it out, it's, it's, it's common sense. It's simple. And it's almost like you say, what is the underlying reason of why, of why? Why? If I mean, because that that was seriously super simple, and it's I mean, it could be done, but that's that's what I go back when I said earlier. You know, we are the bluest red estate, and it's just like, how is that possible? How is that possible? And that's Money. exactly that's what it boils down to, and that's a shame. You know, it's like I was sitting there, just saying, you know, um, I've heard people misquote this out of the Bible where they said, you know, money is the root of all evil. And that's not the saying. It's the love of money is the root of all evil. And I truly believe that that is it. It is yeah. the love of money. Yeah. It is the sacrifice. And it's like I was telling Harrison, if you've never had to struggle to pay a bill, if you've never had to sit there and sacrifice, and, and I don't know if they have. I'm just saying this is what it's like, you know. But if you if you had to look at a paycheck and you had to say, okay, half of this is going to the lights, the other half is going to groceries or half of this is going to the phone. The other half is going to the car payment. Half of this is going to my daughter's college. The other half is going to house products. You, you know, people are making those decisions or now it's like, okay, a quarter of this is going to groceries. A quarter of this is going to lights and half of it's going to gas. Mm-hmm. That's sad. Man, the inflation, all of that. I mean, you know, we had a bunch of legislators and, and, and executive branch people that just sat on their hands again, even during the election shenanigans. Mm-hmm. They could, I mean, they, they obviously, we work with other states when it comes time to have elections, right? We'll send people, agents from the SCGOP and, and whatever from South Carolina up to Virginia to help Glenn Youngkin run his campaign. But after the elections, where were our people stressing forensic audits? Where were our people going into these states where we watched online we watched on the air yes we did election shenanigans why didn't we have our people raising a human cry why didn't our governor why didn't our legislature you know this is a problem this is something that it is and so i'm saying all that to say like you know when you said the love of money earlier i, I like to if i can and i i don't want i'm not a heretic i'm not trying to like write new bible but i want to make a uh, an observation on that text that I think when when we think of money, it's not just dollar bills. Like for in that culture, of course there was gold, but even your cattle, you know, represents money. That's right. You know, <laughs> so um, having resources, so the love of resources, the love of 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 advantage, you know, because money gives you advantage. There's a whole there's a whole spectrum here. Because if you look at Eve, even in the Bible, you look at Eve. What was the reason why she sinned? Because she wanted something more. Something more. So it was the love of this something more. There was a love of resources, access, something of value, something she saw that was going to make her wise. It was good for food. You know, she attributed these things that would give her more something. 
And because of her love for that, it was the beginning of evil. And I think we have a lot of uh, legislators. We have a lot of uh, uh, judges. We have a lot of people that work in the executive branch. We have a lot of people that work at the in boards and commissions, on school boards, whatever, you name it, that love access. They love resources. They love advantage. They, they do. They and love the attention. Attention. Yep. The, the, the vain and unreasonable people whose love of those things is the root of the evil that we experience in South Carolina. And I'm not saying you got to be perfect, but what I am saying is that we need accountability. We do, desperately, desperately. And the thing is, is we have to get a grip. Like I told Harris, if we don't, we will not have not just a state, but a country. I mean, we are more concerned about teaching our children, our single-digit children, teachers are, about sex (laughs) and about, you know, men can be women, women can be men. And it's just like, okay, you wonder why, you know, the literacy level is is in so such a bad shape here in America because we're worried about teaching third graders that, you know, hey, I'm your teacher and I was a man, now I'm a woman. Let me tell you how, while other countries are teaching their third graders advanced calculus and science and this, and it's just like, okay, well, no wonder they're ahead of us, you know? We are the greatest nation in the world. Not the perfect, but we are the greatest. You know, every country, every nation has problems. Mm -hmm. You know, it's how do we address them? Do we continue to divide one another? No, we don't. We come together and we stand united. America is great because she's good. Mm -hmm. But if she ceases to be good, she'll cease to be great. Exactly. I love that. And that's not my quote. And you guys look it up on Google for me and put it in the description or the the comments or something and let me know who said it because I can't remember. But the reality is that our our Constitution, we're we're in a self-governing nation. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. We're, our Constitution was designed for self-governing people. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a to- we don't have a total government uh, constitution. We have a self-government. And so John Adams said that it's only adequate to govern a moral and religious people. Mm-hmm. That didn't say necessarily you had to be a Christian, but you got to be moral or religious. OK, how do you measure morality? You treat people the way you want to be treated. I say, yeah, with, with respect, honor, dignity, you know, like, I mean, that's how I would do it, yeah. you know, like. Now, if you want to go to heaven with me in the future, I mean, you got you got to know Jesus, mm-hmm. okay? But to be moral, you just treat people the way you want to be treated. Now, it's the same thing for the religious. If you if you call yourself religious, but you don't treat people the way you want to be treated, then guess what? You're irreligious. So the measure is not that different, mm-hmm. right? For a society to live self-governed is a bunch of people who will treat people the way they want to be treated, yeah. right? And in that society. Is we're we're trying to we're systematically destroying that society, and our state legislature is allowing it to happen, even they in South are. Carolina. They really are. By Look even, at their voting record. That's all you got to do. Look at the voting record. <laughs> they have there. There is a, a constitutional. Uh, I mean, it's a con, it's in the constitution that you cannot fund education that's religious. What? How in the world did that get in there? No. When well, look what our country was founded on. It, matter of fact, where if you divorce one half, okay, moral and religious, if you divorce, you cannot now, you can't help the country become more religious, or and okay, and you now you're teaching things that are certainly immoral, like you know CRT is immoral. It doesn't treat people the way they want to be treated. It treats little white kids 
like they have a problem because of their skin color. And it tells little black kids that they got a problem because of their skin color. That's not treating people the way you want to be treated. That's looking at people and treating them in the way that you want to treat them. I need to have equity. I need revenge. Exactly. So I don't need to treat you the way I want to be treated. I need to make you have less and give me more. I need mm-hmm. to be handicapped, right? Because I'm handicapped. That's what we're teaching children. And that's not morality. That's not treating people the way you want to be treated. That's teaching them to treat people the way they would not want to be treated and exactly. justifying it. And so we're by Cause lo- and division. We're allowing these schools to create ungovernable children because it says, I mean, John Adams, our constitution is made for immoral and religious people. Mm-hmm. If we're teaching them to be immoral, to not to treat people the way they want to be treated, and we're teaching them to be irreligious because we, you can't by state law, by the constitution, it help religious institutions, then you're creating ungovernable children. Mm-hmm. They will grow into ungovernable adults. They will need total government to stay in line. They would, and they will rely on that. That's why now, you know, when you sit there and you look about the work ethic and you look at all this other stuff that goes on, it's hard to sit there and get, and again, this doesn't go for all of them, but it, there's so much entitlement going on. And it's like, oh, you know, where did that come from? You know, it's like my my son, you know, I have three daughters and one son. And he's been on every job just about since he was a baby. I mean, literally in diapers. I had him laying block. I mean, he had his hard hat on. He had his little suspenders on, you know. And so, but he has grown up to know what it was like, not just to be out in the field, but to also sit in there in that room he's in now and see what it's like to do the paperwork all those receipts and invoices laid out there on the table because it's more to that to it he's been in business meetings with me mm-hmm. and you know they look and they'll be like oh you brought your kid and i'm like no i didn't bring you know i brought my son brought my you heir. Know, exactly right <laughs> he is the future of this so he needs to see what it's like because this is this conversation could either lead to a contract being signed or a contract being denied one way or another he needs to decipher that on how it, you know, how it, how it to took see how place. It goes. Exactly yeah. right, and and we need more of that. Just like trade schools, mm. you know, like we need to find that avenue, and we need to reach out, and we need to do what we can. And we are stronger together than we are against each other. Period. Well, the problem is, it, it's more beneficial to a certain group of people that we not be united and that we be against each other. And I think it's systematic. Like, and I'll give you an example. They used to build porches on the front of houses. Mm-hmm. Now they build them on the back. You pull into your car garage, you close the garage behind you, you take your groceries in, you go on your back porch. Okay, you know, but, as a contractor, you are, I'm a contractor. So like literally you, you, you just hit the nail on the head. I've never thought about that analogy. There's a young woman named Patricia Wheat who showed me some some of this. And the, rea- the, the reason why is they well, atomize us. If you don't know your neighbor, then, okay, we give police officers a really hard time in America because they are doing a selfless job. Yeah. I mean, truly, like any any police officer that would protect someone deserves not only a raise, they deserve accolades and praise because they are not obligated to protect anyone. Mm -hmm. Police officers are not obligated by law to protect anyone that's not in their custody. Mm -hmm. But we expect that they will, right? We expect them to run into the building when it's, you know, under fire and save the children at the school. Exactly. But 
we live in a society now where we, like I said, we go inside the house and go on our back porch. So we don't even know who our neighbors are. So we have to hire more police to protect us from our neighbors because we don't know and love our neighbors. It's a good analogy. Seriously. If we, if we could, if we could, I mean, one of the things that I want to help do is like you, you made a point earlier that there's a, uh, information gap and a communication gap. Like we don't have the information and there is no like way for people to actually, you know, talk to each other and figure out what that. One of the things I want to be able to do is as Lieutenant governor, helping the governor is to put together like, you know, a system whereby people can not just send it to the, you know, the Lieutenant governor's office, but send it to the, a County like committee of safety. And that's that committee's job is only this to take in this issue that the citizens having and make sure it gets to the right person Yeah. to make sure that person gets to the right agency to make sure they get to, if it's supposed to go to the sheriff, it goes to the sheriff, whatever. And, and there's a, uh, a, it can be designed by the Lieutenant governor's office, whatever the case may be, but I'm, I'm not trying to take credit for it as much as I think it's a necessary function that people are able to go someplace and figure out who they need to talk to. Because right now they got to call the legislature, legislator, and the legislature's got to call them back, and everybody's upset, coronavirus, everybody's got, you know, you're on a voicemail, you're sending text messages. Why don't we have a system in place to be able to have information directed where it needs to go? That's a good point. I mean, there's, there's these, as a community, if we don't start, like, looking after each other and loving each other, taking care of each other, in, like, a 100-house area right now, the average household spends about $10,000 a year on just food. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in a hundred houses, like in a basic neighborhood, that's a million dollars. And they're taking that million dollars and they're giving it to the local multinational corporate structure, like a Walmart. Mm-hmm. And that corporate structure, we gave free land. We gave tax breaks. They give us back like $38 an hour jobs at the max. Right. Mm-hmm. But we give them the wealth of our communities in just a hundred house area. That's a million dollars a year. Mm-hmm. What if we, what if, imagine if we took a dent out of that, just a dent, like just 15%. Dent. Okay. Yeah. Because instead of just going and buying everything from there, we maybe, maybe planted something, grew tomatoes, you grew potatoes, you grew whatever. And then we traded with that, right? They're like it used to be. And we take that 15%, what's 15% of a million, you know, hundred what is that? $150,000, right? Is, yeah. So you take that $150,000 now, if you got widows and orphans, in the Bible, an orphan wasn't somebody who didn't have both parents. It was a fatherless child, yeah. right? So single mothers. So if you have orphans and widows, if the widow's house falls down or the roof caves in, you can raise her a new one. There you go. Rather than her having to depend on the government. That's so how it should be. We, we are depending on socialism because it looked like the love that we're supposed to be giving to each other. And then we're paying for the price because everything is being raised. You know, I said on a couple episodes ago that there was a statistic that was out in, in the last, I want to say, two years that 80% of the USD that is in circulation now mm-hmm. has been printed in the last two years. I believe it. And when I sat there and I read that and I was like, whoa, you know, now this is that this is our, you know, ever since the American dollar has been formed. All right. 80% of the 
pop or the currency that is in you know in motion uh, across the world 80 percent has just been printed in the last two years it's strategic man it's strategic bro like you, if you if you're gonna if your whole policy agenda is like to take care of the community like and did use the government to do it then the bigger the constituency you have the better the chance that you stay elected mm -hmm. so if you can create a constituency <laughs> you create a constituency and now you've raised the prices of everything and so they really need you more now that's right all right yep and so I mean, it, all of its strategy, I mean, even it like is. even like the whole like the uh, the transgender thing that we're dealing with. Right. You know, where there's there are actually men trying to compete with women in sports. And see that that blue, look at here. I cannot believe that in 2022 we are having to have legislation. Ashley Trantham, she was here. She, they literally went through a thousand pages, if I'm not mistaken, of amendments that night in the house a thousand amendments okay to debate to get that bill passed because yeah. the democrats was coming at it call i mean insulting just throwing names this and that and i'm like really and to sit there and to explain in 2022 that men should not be able to compete against women and women should not be able to compete against men you know like are you serious why do you think you have the NBA and the WNBA? It's not because um, it, it, it's just, well, we just wanted to do it. Let's have Michael Jordan go to the WNBA, and he would break every record. I, and I'd put that on him right now. And he ain't played ball in how long? You know, Brother, so, the, some of the, some of the, um, some of the third string bench warmers in the NBA play at such a level of ability mm -hmm. and competency. The only reason they're not on the court is because the people that are on the court are just that they're just better. That much better. Yeah. Exactly. But they're right. all amazing. Exactly. They would they would destroy their league. Mm -hmm. And and not because women are not strong and not good players. There's a different level of just uh, listen. It's the way it's genetic it's the way the body is built. It's the way God designed. I mean our cardiovascular system, our respiratory system, yeah. everything gets bigger. So I mean, look at the comparison whenever you had the guy, and I think you had to be ranked 500, you know, <laughs> like to be ranked or whatever. So once you, to get that rank, you know, the guy, Le Leah Thomas, Thomas or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So he was like 400 and something. So he barely made it. He was close to 500. So he barely made rank. Yeah. After that, he grew his hair out. He didn't have no implants, no nothing whacked on, nothing. Yeah. He just grew his hair out, changed his name, and now he is breaking oh, records and left he, and right. And, and he, changed, like, he changed his league. Yeah, 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 <laughs> changed his league. And it's just like serious. But now it's a shame that we actually have to have legislation even brought up when we have way more important things yeah. to, to handle than saying, hey, boys don't play with girls, girls don't play. Like, seriously? We need like, a house resolution. On, man. Whereas you know? people have been burned. Whereas there are, you know, houses that are burned to the ground, be it resolved that fire is hot. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> I, dude, you, dude, we have homeless veterans. 
you, you know, we, we, we have um, uh, children lost in the street to gangs. We have drugs overflowing. Trafficking. Yes, exactly. Uh, child, human trafficking, sex trafficking. Yeah. And it's just like we have so much more to be fighting for, but yet we're having to explain biology. And it's just like, seriously? And then the fact that they just nominated a Supreme Court justice and her answer was, I'm not a biologist. I'm sitting here like, no, she, like, what? She refused to give an answer. And I'm scratching my head like, you, you are going to the highest court of the land here. You're in that seat for the rest of your life. And you could not say that a man's a man and a woman's a woman. You know, ever since the dawn of time. There's before, a political reason for that. Oh, for sure. You know it is, for sure. And and, and so the dawn of time, you know, before there was doctors and this and that, they would grab that baby. And I'm just, again, this ain't so, you know, I wasn't living back then, but I could just imagine they'd grab that baby when it come out. They'd grab it by the leg. They'd hold it up in the air and they say, oh, we got a boy. Oh, we got a girl. It didn't take well, a rocket science. Well, you know what I'm saying? There's, like I said, a strategy. Like what they what they really want to do is cast confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you tell a gender little, dysphoria, if you tell a little white child that because of their skin color, um, they are they have an advantage, and if they accept all of the things built by people with that skin color who had an advantage, then they're then that then they're supporting a supremacist nation. Mm-hmm. If you tell that child that there's a problem with them because of their skin color and the people who are the, uh, uh, suppose I put quotes up oppressed groups are now praised and they're given, you know, all kinds of accolades just because of their skin color. Then that little child is going to want to get rid of the thing that makes them bad and become one of the oppressed people groups. The easiest way to get into that oppressed people group is gender dysphoria Mm -hmm. because now you are now you're praised with all the oppressed groups i'm 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 trans whatever i think what we're doing is we're actually allowing the public school system to produce immoral and irreligious children because they will be ungovernable by our constitution They, they if we don't have some kind of standard of morality if we don't have a standard then without any kind of limits, we will go beyond the fray and fall into nothing. If we don't have virtue, moral courage in our society, people that will stand up and say, listen, there are certain things that are not right and, and there are other things that are, that are good and wholesome and we should keep. If we don't have people with the courage to do that, then we're, our country's, we're done. I mean, truly, there is no reason why uh, the Supreme Court uh, justice should exist right now named Katanji Brown. There's no reason why she should be nominated or even confirmed. For sure, yeah. It's it's it I mean just because she's black and that's the difficulty I have with the whole, you know, because they're black that means we we need we we're going to rubber stamp how they have treated pedophilia. We're going to rubber stamp the fact that they would not be able to say that a man's a man and a woman's a woman. Is that the pinnacle? of like black American achievement is because they went to college and they got a degree, but they've lost their mind. 
and they can't tell me that a man's a man and a woman's a woman? Is that, I mean, is that what we're rubber stamping? Is that the, the measure we want our children to live up to? That this is, okay, little black girls, little black boys, listen, you should be celebrating a woman who would allow babies to be murdered in the womb as your example. Yeah. Is that is that really what we want to tell? Listen, even slave masters knew that you don't kill the babies because your children are your gold. Mm-hmm. Your heirs are gifts. They are the gold of your society. Yes. They become the ones who take care of you when you get old. They're the ones who take your business and they multiply it tenfold so you can live in luxury while your children take over. Mm-hmm. The, the, the reason why black people, even in America, are like 12% of the population is because somehow black people got convinced that killing their babies, getting throwing the gold in the garbage can was the answer to poverty. And see, I, and so now we have a woman. That's why Tupac made that song. Brenda's got a baby. Were you talking about throwing a baby mm-hmm. in the garbage can? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So not a lot of people was talking about that in the community. And Tupac did that song, Brenda's got a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, but Brenda barely knows her name. Uh, blank shame. So, and and he was talking about that and. Yeah. Everyone, even the record label, when I went back and studied, I don't know if you saw, so I, I love his poetry, his mm-hmm. literature. He was um, he was an outstanding poet. He was an outstanding writer. And, and I think he doesn't give the, he doesn't get the accolades that, that he should on, on, on his literature. Tupac. Okay. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And so his book in there, Love. And so, but they did not want him to release that song because they're like, dude, like, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, like, we're not talking about this. They're not talking about that. What are you doing? And he's like, no, this is a problem. He even said it in the song. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a problem, and it's affecting our whole community. Listen, if you go into some communities that are like, I call them like nonprofit black holes, right? There, There's like so many nonprofit organizations doing good work, trying and getting grants and federal money to take care of people, but the, there's not a lot of small businesses, right? So there's no tax base. And so the infrastructure and all the things that come with a, with a thriving community of small businesses does not exist there, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no tax base. And you couple that with all the children who are supposed to come up and create and work and do, you know, to take care of the community, they're also either murdered <laughs> or they're sent to these uh, public education mills and then shipped off somewhere else, the communities fall apart and they die. I, I, I don't know that I have a necessary solution for this, but what I do understand is that if we don't address the problem and we don't address it in terms that are true and honest, then we will continue to try to fix things that are not the problem. We will continue to try to throw solutions that don't actually do the trick, right? That's right. And so my hope is that we can begin to grow the black communities in South Carolina as well by, listen, if we can just begin to love each other as we want to be loved, right? Even in in whatever community, don't not with the federal government, but with our own local communities. Exactly. And I'm not talking about going and starting a soup kitchen and trying to, I'm talking about every hundred houses. I want to help people by giving them a, like almost like a workbook, so to speak. Um, uh, But it's a dual track. It's a dual economic track. It's a way that a community can take, um, Thomas Jefferson actually kind of came up with 
codifying it this way. Mm-hmm. He called it the hundreds. But have a multiple track. And in your 100-house area, if you apply these principles, your 100-house area will be completely secure and completely self-sufficient. Hmm. Now, you don't have to do it perfectly. If you just do it to any degree at all, yeah. you will increase your community exponentially. And I, I want to be able to give that away, too, like as just information, you know, and any community that takes it up will prosper as a consequence. Yeah. And it will help us to get off the federal teat. It'll help black communities, any community that I mean, I don't care. I'm saying black communities. because I would. I really want black communities in South Carolina to prosper. Mm-hmm. I want the black community in South Carolina because there is no reason why. Listen, back in the 70s, like the, even some places in the sixth district, I have a friend who's from there. He said it was like it was like the Huxtables. Everybody was like the Huxtables, you know, even though the schools weren't even integrated. They were, he was traveling overseas to Europe in a in an orchestra, you know, and they were prospering. What happened? Yeah. The Great Society I Act think, happened. Uh, yeah, LBJ. Things, things happened that caused the flow of, you know, life that, that because a community has to sustain itself. You can't be reaching out that's to the fact. federal government for, for sustenance. And I think that's where LBJ played a big, big, big role in that, literally. Yeah. So, but anyway, this dual track thing will help us, I believe, get our communities back online. Mm-hmm. That's what we and, need, man. And take care of one another. Like we want to be. I mean, if you can love your neighbor as you'd want to be loved by God, or love your neighbor as you love yourself. Yep. Um, just a little bit better. We are all the same at the foot of the cross. It's like I told you when you walked in. You prick your finger, and I prick mine. We put it on a piece of paper, and ask anybody. To pick out who is Zoe and who is Brandon, <laughs> and they can't do it. Yeah. They can't do it. They can't. Even with a microscope, they probably wouldn't be able to tell. Nope. You know, they'd have to like do send it off to a lab or something. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they would have to carve out the circles and samples and put it in the little tube, send it out, get the little DNA and all. That is the only way. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> we are more alike than we are different. Yeah. You know, and the reason why. There are different cultures is because God wanted us to learn different things. Yeah. You know, we can learn yeah. different things from one another. We can help one another because if we were all the same, how boring would that be? We've been sold a false bill of goods, though. Yeah. Like, And that's and that's true. And that's true. But, you know, it also it goes back to the people who, who sold us that and the people that bought it. Yeah. You know, and that's why it's up to us to sit here as in folks like you. You know, myself um, and, and this generation, you know, we have got to get a grip and we have got to spread the message. We've got to show what real unity is about. Yeah, we really do. Well, that permanent SC class in South Carolina, um, like I think that to be honest, like the South Carolina politics, I think it was solid blue in South Carolina, like well into the 90s. You know, I think it was the early 90s that South Carolina started going more Republican, right? And I think there's a lot of, of like, um, it, the the conservative philosophy is so potent and so powerful that it, I think it'll save any community that adopts the principles, right? Mm-hmm. But the false bill of goods has been sold is that, like, if it has anything to do with Republicans in some of these communities, then, then it's no good. Because a lot of these people that are now Republicans – we're Democrats, and, yeah. and that's not necessarily that's 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 not a lie. It's, that's true, to a large degree. We have conservatives in South Carolina who want to preserve some socialist type policies because it's cronyism. 
they got an advantage from it. Mm-hmm. Like there's federal uh, like farm subsidies and things of that nature that they want to keep, right? And so even though they would vote Republican, they will only vote for Republicans who are going to maintain that cronyism, that crony system. That's right. Because they're getting this money from the government. Right. And so that's why you see like the, you know, when it's time to stop vaccine mandates, He's like, well, my hands are tied now because there's money that comes from these big businesses, money coming from the federal government, money coming from Joe Biden. And so he can't can't disrupt that money. I'm I'm sorry that your family lost everything, that they lost their pension. They're going to be moved out of the military. I'm sorry that your family died in hospitals. I'm sorry. I can't I can't do anything about that. I'm sorry you lost your job. I'm sorry you 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 are a nurse. You have a master's degree and you can't get a job now. And I can't do anything to change that when yes you can mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um and it's only because there's a crony system that still needs all of those federal dollars that still needs all of that i mean what's largely democrat created stuff from fdr to lbj they want to continue mm-hmm. that F- yeah for sure and so um if if we don't get republicans and conservatives that want us to have our liberty over dollars, mm-hmm. if you don't get go, if you don't get them in office, then we're going to lose the country to the CCP. That's the truth, brother. That's the truth, man. And well, look at Zo. Uh, it's uh, oh man, it's nine o'clock, and so we've been <laughs> at it for almost an hour and twenty minutes. And wow. I know we've had a long day. I've been up uh, since seven thirty. I've had about literally a couple hours of sleep. I was so excited for this, man. I wanted to just, I mean the just the honor and and literally I, I i really i was pumped up so i've been at it getting it and just to have you here it's it's seriously a pleasure and so if you could tell our listeners one thing you know one message what would be your message to our listeners and the people of south carolina my message to the people of south carolina is that we the people are the answer there is no government messiah to save the day. We have to step into the roles that we were created to fill. And I say created to fill because I believe our, our rights come from a creator God who gave us certain rights and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And in America, the only way we keep those rights is by doing our responsibility. I mean, <laughs> we have a self-governing nation. Mm-hmm. If we don't get, if, who, who better than a just person to bear the sword? Romans 13 says that, right? His ministers bear the sword. Who better than a just person? I mean, if, if it was the local youth pastor, do you think George Floyd would be a, a Marxist martyr today? No. Because a just person bearing the sword yeah. would have greater restraint. Right? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, don't you know the saints will judge the world? Who better than a just person to be the judge? There you go. The scepter of wickedness shall not remain on the land of the righteous. Who better than just people to bear the scepter? Not the wicked. It wasn't God's desire for the wicked to rule over us forever and ever. He just said it in Psalm 125.3. Mm-hmm. So we have a responsibility to step into. And if we the people, good people, don't step into our role and responsibility, it doesn't matter who you elect to one role here and one role there, we're going to lose everything because we are a self-governing nation. There's boards, there's commissions, there's, I mean, school board, just your local school board, your city council, your town council, your, your county council. There are commissioners and every, there are so many places 
where we need good, just people who will protect liberty. Amen? Amen. So we have to do this together. Exactly. Even if you, if, and I, I pray that you'll help us because oh, we have sure. lots of ideas and things that we want to ap- apply to help liberty in South Carolina. So if you'll help Harrison, Trucker Bob Musselwhite, and Zoe Warren be governor and lieutenant governor, we would really love that help, and we will help you as well. But at the same time, I need to encourage you to get in position. Mm-hmm. Because when we get in position, we will find a whole lot of adversaries fighting against us. Amen if we that. can get you in position too, then together we can take back our consent. Yep. And get back to governing ourselves. <laughs> exactly right. Yes, sir. Well, again, man, it was an honor and, and it was a privilege. And I just thank you for even as late as it is coming by and, and, and doing this episode with us and sharing your message and all that with our listeners across the state. And, you know, you guys have my full support. And uh, this platform is always here for you guys to use. And uh, I, I just, I'm so excited and I'm so pumped to get it. You know, I have my yard signs. I'm going to be taking them from Blythewood to Ridgeway to Fairfield. We got, you know, we got the banquet hall rented out for you and and, and, and um, Harrison on May 3rd at 6.30 p.m. in Fairfield County at the Fairfield Motel Banquet Hall. So you guys, if y'all want to come out, you know, uh, they'll be out, uh, both of them together, sharing their message. So, again, that's May 3rd at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be at the Fairfield Motel, the Banquet Hall. We'll have some trailers and videos out for that, advertising that for you guys. And, uh, again, man, I just I thank you for your calls and, and, and what you stand for and what you believe in. And I'm, I'm looking to, to get in the trenches with you guys. Man, I felt like I was uh, in, a, in a Jordan Peterson interview talk you know like we're just talking shop you know yes, talking sir, politics right. talking philosophy i really appreciate the the time to chat with you man i i was going to come here and try to campaign but i felt like in the middle of us talking mm-hmm. that we just talk philosophy you know that's it and it was I great it. it was great yes sir thanks man yep all right guys well you heard it here first and as always thank you for tuning in to podcast 1854 i'm your host brandon peak stay safe hug your babies tune in for next time This episode was brought to you by Peaks Production. If you guys like what you hear, go ahead and hit that support button. You can make a small donation or you can set up to do monthly payments from $2.99 all the way to $9.99. The choice is up to you, but the support is greatly appreciated. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, like and share, and stay tuned for more.